What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> I stole it off Brian Moore's desk. Stole two of them. <laughs> I still have one. Dude, if my legs start bleeding, it's chiggers. What? Seriously. <laughs> you got the chiggers. Really like, I got the chiggers so I'm bad really on my ankles. I'm not looking at your legs to see if they're bleeding. So. <laughs> look, well, I meant my, not like your legs. Like, so. Yours look better than mine, dude. Mine, oh are, mine are beat up. You're on the other side of this desk. In order for me to realize your legs were bleeding, they would have well, to I'm, pull up and run out here. <laughs> look. It's bad. I've had really. I have the mange or something. I've had really bad chiggers lately too. Oh my but god! Hot water and a so shower. Their legs up and show off the chigger bites. Okay. <laughs> look, yeah. like, how oh, they're so gross. This kind of goes hand in hand with the uh, the podcast today, though. Yeah. Because we're supposed to be talking about deer hunting, so. This way. I don't want to talk loud. What do you mean you don't want to talk loud? <laughs> I don't want to be loud and obnoxious. Lee's not on here with us today. So that's three. Okay. The three of us, I think, is the proper way to say that. Us okay. three. That's a Kentucky way to say it. But let's go ahead and kick this bad boy off. I got to get out of here just a hair bit early today. Okay. So, I'm gonna. I'm listening um, and paying attention. I'm gonna pull up that piece of property. Are you gonna show us your new spot on the map? Yeah. Let's go ahead and get it started. Okay. I'm, I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast. Today we have Rachel Krum. Yeah. Who's been on once before? I was your first guest. No, were you the very first guest? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> have you only been on the one time? Uh huh. Yeah, one one and done. Man, that's I, I did not realize you were the first guest. Long, so I think I was the first guest. No, well, you and Lee had done one yeah, before me. Yeah. Before I was so on. you were the first actual guest. The first guest. That's yeah. good. That's fun. Yeah. But so anyway, to remember yourself, though. So, yep. so Rachel, first guest is her primary accomplishment, but she's yep, that's, also that's my only accomplishment. She's also the director of the Fish and Wildlife Foundation, and then also Nathan Brooks is on today. He is the executive producer of Kentucky Field TV. And this podcast. And Brooks, you've been on several yeah. times. So. Yeah, third this, time there. So we, we want to talk deer hunting today. And we've all kind of talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's okay that it's just the three of us. Because honestly, as far as deer hunting experience goes, I mean, nothing against Lee. But he's really birds, fishing, stuff like that. He obviously does turkey and deer hunt, stuff like that. But the three of us are probably a little bit more into it than Lee is, right? We would all agree. Probably more into it than just about anybody around. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Lee cares about deer hunting. Yeah, see, a lot of times when I try, I try like I'm like, okay, let's get on the topic of deer hunting, and it seems like it doesn't take too long before Lee. <laughs> like, let's talk about fishing, fishing or dove hunting. Yeah. But uh, so I've only I've hunted public land in the past, but very you know spottedly. I mean, just like here or there, maybe five or six days my entire life I've, I've hunted public land for deer. But you two have both spent a lot of time on public land. Yeah. You've hunted. I mean, you've obviously taken some big deer on public land, Rachel. You took your biggest deer ever on public land, Brooks. Brooks mm-hmm. killed me, by the way. Killed his, deers were, his deer was much bigger than. Well, that's so, so I, I, I killed my only three deer with a bow on public land. See, that's a, that's experience, though. Three bucks. Yeah. That's, that's a lot more experience on public land than the majority of people probably have, unless they're just strictly a public land hunter that's been doing it for a long time. So I feel like we've got some knowledge in this room about deer hunting and how, right so you got to be more confident <laughs> i'm confident okay. there's just no absolutes when it comes to anything that's that's true because i think true. like i know something and i'm like oh crap what do you mean i don't know i feel like oh well i don't know in, in the past i'll be like well this makes sense and this is why deer will come this way and they don't at all <laughs> well that's <laughs> just luck <laughs> no. yeah luck. but like there's no absolutes when it comes well, to it again well, see see there's more absolutes on a private land where it's more restricted in terms of the people that are there yeah that's true sure. but like on public land so i hunted a specific specific spot on a central kentucky wma i think it was 2015 
a specific spot, and it wasn't that far from the road where access was, and I hardly saw anybody on this ridge, hardly anybody, and there were deer moving constantly. The next year, I couldn't get in there without anybody else being in there. Hmm. So yeah. the next year, a ton more people are in there. I don't know why. I don't I don't know the reason you for told, that. You told too many people. Trust me, I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> and... And that year, the 2015 year, was one of the best, like one of the best rut days of my life on public land, and I probably saw three mature deer on that one single day, and I would have shot one if I'd not messed it up. So I'm trying to remember my 2015 year. 20, that's too specific. I remember exactly what deer I shot 2015. Well, I remember 2015 because I kind of switched spots on that public land, and it was the year after I killed two two bucks mm-hmm. one was that elk was laying between the legs where when you had the bonus buck now you can't do that so that's why i was two bucks that year mm-hmm. but uh i've not killed a buck since then so um i feel like 2015 was the my first pope and young Ooh. Uh, i think 2015 was one of the smaller deer i've shot in the last several years and it was one of the worst shots i made in the last several years also so. yeah it was it was like my first good deer with my bow 2015 yeah yeah and I was pissed. <laughs> what do you mean you were pissed? I was sitting in the stand. It was the day before gun season. Oh, I was you t- like, I've heard this before. Like, once again, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was like 1045 in the morning. I hadn't seen a deer all morning. I'm like, once again, I'm putting all this time in. It's never going <laughs> to, like, I don't know. I just felt like I was never going to get past that step of shooting a nice buck with my bow. And then, like, he came in and I killed him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, my God. This well, is it proves. That just proves. Yeah. And I see it all the time. And I watch too much hunting television yeah. myself, even being part of it, that you can have the worst deer season ever for two months. And then 10 seconds changes all that. Oh, that's that's right. all it takes. Yeah. 10 seconds for one deer to step out that you might have known was there, might, might not have known. And everything's different. You got all these stories you can tell now. Yeah, your emotional I, swing oh, on that morning. But that's yeah. what makes it so great. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And then, la- well, t- talking about emotional swing last year, um, the day before gun season, I missed a buck, and so I had been dropped off by boat to a, a spot um, on a wildlife management area, and I missed a really nice deer. And they come to pick me up, and I'm like a blubbering, crying mess. My season's toast. Like, yep. so yeah, it was bad. Yeah, a friend of ours, a really good friend of ours, he's a great guy and a really good hunter. He's taught me a ton. Told me, he's like, you know, a long time ago, Rachel, my dad told me there were certain things worth crying over, and deer is one of them. I was like, God, <laughs> feel as bad. This guy was looking at me like, oh my God, girl, get it together. And I couldn't. I was so upset and mad at myself. I've, I've never, like, physically cried over a deer. But I've like sulked real hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've just, I've sat there in the pouring rain, just sat there and just stared. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't cry until I saw them. Like it, in the stand, I was just really mad at myself and angry. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them and they asked me what happened and like my lips started quivering and that was like for real tears yeah. coming down. It's frustrating. Yeah. That's oh. hard. But it makes it better when you do it right. No, but then, but then the the end result of that story was she ended up shooting yeah. a really nice deer the next day with her bow or something yep. like that. Yeah. So yeah. you still got it. I mean, so it's like a little bit of a sad story. But in the end, I mean, yeah, you had to wait one whole day to get another shot at a good deer, uh-huh. right? You just got to put your time in. And that was on public land. You so. got to have experiences. If you don't have experiences, that you don't you don't learn anything. That's right. Well, that's yeah. Actually, I have a bunch of bullet points written down here because I was excited about talking about deer hunting today. So I was like actually preparing for this podcast, which <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to waiting. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, a lot of times when I come in here, say no, we got a biologist or somebody on. Anyone. Oh, yeah, I agree. If, I, if we have somebody on who, who knows a lot more about stuff than I do, I want to play dumb and I want to ask questions because that's how people that are listening are going to figure stuff out. I'm basically just playing an idiot, which is really easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, no, actually, so I jotted down some stuff and going back to what you said, one of the things I jotted down was the best way to become better at deer hunting is just to experience it. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like you could have somebody tell you everything that you think you need to know about deer hunting and you could watch videos and that would help a little bit. But until you actually get out there, you're not going to have a feel for the way deer act and, and what you need to do in different situations. And the other day I was actually watching, I was at a, a buddy of mine's house. He was having a bonfire and he, uh, we'll just call him Spencer and we'll just call the other guy Brandon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cause those aren't the running. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not Spencer Curry and Brandon Williams that I'm talking about right now, <laughs> but we were over Spencer's house and he, he deer hunts, but he's not ever really been big into it. He's just kind of over the last two years been picking up some momentum, getting more and more interested in it. And part of that's because he bought five acres and he has deer on his property. Awesome. So, so he's, uh, he's, you know, talking about deer season this year and Brandon has hunted hard his whole life. Brandon's really experienced. He kills good deer every year. And even though I disagree with Brandon about a lot of stuff, I'll give him <laughs> props for that. He does kill good deer. Yeah. Brooks knows Brandon kills really good deer. And I was uh, just kind of watching from a few feet away, Brandon and Spencer talk about deer hunting. Right. And Brandon was, you know, if I was you, I would do this and here's why. And when I was watching it, I was like, Brandon knows so much more about deer than Spencer does. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, and all of his instincts were right. I mean, he was saying, you know, the deer's most likely going to do this, and your wind's typically coming from this direction, so you need to set up on a spot where you can get, you know. He was just going through the motions of everything you should think about, and he was doing it instinctually without really having to think about it too much. And that's the kind of stuff you get from being out there. You know what I mean? attention. Yeah, exactly. You actually have to observe deer, and you have to get busted. I mean, a lot. Yeah, exactly. You ha you have to live and learn, and that's how you become better. But, I think yeah. busted makes you want to shoot does for meat. Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, you, yeah. You'll it come like across. it makes your drive uh, a lot uh, stronger. For you're coming across like a wary old doe. Oh gosh. Every step she takes, she's looking around, and mm -hmm. that's the one you want to you want to yep. get oh, take care of it's because a, she's going to bust you one of these days. Oh, yep. an, an old doe. Is like, I, mean, Wait, I think they're way. No, they're tougher. They're, they're tougher tough than. To if yeah. like sometimes I'll be in my stand and I'll see some does come towards me and I'll see this one doe and I'll be like, no, <laughs> not not you. It's funny because they all look the same, but you can pick them out. Oh, you can you they can tell a, a weary old yeah. doe. Oh, no because the thing is, those does raise fawns, and when mm -hmm. they're they're raising fawns, they have those like maternal instincts. They're looking for predators mm -hmm. all the time, being super safe. And the more fawns a doe a doe raises, and the older she gets, the more she learns. She's she's probably tougher than an old buck. Mm -hmm. I'd say a lot of does live to be older than a lot of bucks too. Uh, you go back to learning deer and that kind of stuff. And I think one of the things that, that helps me is that it doesn't matter where I am. It could be um, June 1st when deer season is still far away. If I see a deer, I'm doing everything I can to learn what the heck it's doing, how it's moving, why it's moving. And just, just watching deer is such one of the first steps of, of learning how, how to hunt them. Yeah. Um, and not just, because all, not all deer are the same. They have different personalities, so you're going to experience different things. But when you're up in a stand, you can get away with different kind of movements when it's a yearling buck versus an old doe. There's a huge swing of an array of uh, the way you can move and act in a tree stand and get away with it compared to uh, one or the other. Oh, for and, sure. And mm -hmm. that, those experiences, when you learn those and you experience those, it's such a cool, cool experience, for one, to get to that point. Yeah, it, and it's really interesting to see how 
different deer of different ages act. And that's true. I mean, that's just one of those things you got to learn. You can play it different with some deer than others, but I always try to just be real steel and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Sometimes you'll learn that you got a stupid deer on your farm. You know what I mean? Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes a, a buck will come in and I'll be like, uh, there's, still, there's that idiot. You know, Do you all uh, hunt with anyone else ever? I never, well, during gun season, not during bow season. Never during bow season? I, I don't um, because I'd like to. I'd like to find somebody I could I trust enough where I, could, I would hunt. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's, it's hard It's hard to do that. I would love to have a buddy that would go, that, that is so passionate about it, like I am, and was willing to go hunt public land the way I do and that I could trust, but I, I just haven't come across. Oh, you mean like do I hunt the same property or side no, by side? No, side by side. No, definitely not side by side. Because <laughs> no, I do side hunt. by side. That's what, so Scott so you don't do even once a year. I, I, I gotta, gotta tell you all I got to come back to what Brooke did. He doesn't even trust people enough to be on the same property with him. <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> what the heck? That's a, no, it's not that. <laughs> It's got to be a pretty particular person. Like, Chase, I would trust you to go, uh, to go on, a public, on a piece of land and go hunt with. Absolutely. And there's others that I would. You're saying that because you think that Chase would make a good decision based on, like, wind and yeah, sun and that sort absolutely. of thing. He's not going to mess you up. I literally thought the whole time you were talking about sitting right next to somebody. I am. I was like, oh, no, but Brooks, I was like, oh, it makes sense. You need to be able to trust him <laughs> and stuff like that. He's talking about being within Rachel a half mile. Was, Rachel was talking about sitting no, well, Why would I do that? The only I reason... I say that, excuse me, I would like, um, Scott and I go once a year together in the same stand. <laughs> yeah. And it never turn, turns out well. <laughs> like, we're always like, you're being loud. I'm like, you're being loud. But we usually end up seeing deer. So mm-hmm. it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's, That's how I was sorry. Well, my wife doesn't hunt, and I'm not going to sit in a, in a side by side tree stand with Jake. <laughs> no, I, thank you. I don't. That's fine with me. I was just wondering. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, but but if you, I mean, that's the way you take a kid. I mean, yeah. those kind of deals. Um, but uh, we, that's you were saying that's a like situation. you were the reason I th- I thought of that is because you were talking about like how deer react differently to yeah. movement, and sound, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and. I was thinking about Scott being like, you're being loud. That deer's going to hear us. And I was like, no, you're being loud. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I think sound is one of the things you got to worry about least. Yeah, I think so. Hey, I think yeah. Scent and movement are the two main things. I mean, yep. uh, there's a video on YouTube that of like two years ago, three years ago. It's actually 2015. Sorry, I'm drinking water. I stay hydrated. Yeah. It's hot out there. But uh, 2015, the same year we were just talking about, there's a video where this buck's coming in, right? And you can see everything's framed up in the video. And as the deer's coming in, I, I make a move and I accidentally kick one of my arrows out of the stand, right? And uh, the buck kind of stops and he keeps walking. And then two seconds later, I kick my rattle antlers out of the stand. <laughs> like, I'm just kicking okay, stuff. Mate, let's go back. Hey, it's a dead deer, though. Yeah, it, it, it didn't take long, a couple seconds later. But no, it's like that noise didn't bother him for some reason. And it was uh, pre-rut. You know, it was like early November. So deer kind of uh, act a little different that time of year. Yeah, like sure. it, you definitely don't want to go out on the first weekend of September and make a lot of noise around a buck. But you can do the exact same thing. That would get you busted in September on November 10th, and that buck might have no care in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, One yeah. thing on his mind. Yeah. Yep. Their mission is different. Yeah. But uh, uh, we were, Scott was, his whole point was I like moved weird in a cheap stand that we had, hang like a hang on uh-huh. stand, lock on stand, and uh, it popped. 
And mm -hmm. so he always gets really aggravated when we have stands that make noise. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. So yeah. I popped it, and he was like, that deer hurt you. That's impressive. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to another. I got these bullet points so organized. <laughs> all right, sorry. I'm no, no, no. That's a good point, though, no, because that brings me right back to interrupt all you want. It brings me right back to uh, talking about hunting with somebody. So this year, I'm going to take Kristen hunting. Good. Okay. Yeah. She's never been hunting before. And, you know, she's really, she loves animals. So it's kind of like how would she take it? But she ran traps with me last year, and she was with me one day when there was a, a coyote in the trap, and I had to put it down. So I mean, she can handle it. She can do that. She can handle yeah, a deer hunting. For sure. But I'm going to take her uh, during rifle season. And she's not going to shoot. She's just going to go hang out. She doesn't have a orange card or anything like that. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's on my list of. Yeah. Uh, see, I have this big bullet here. It says, <clears throat> "What are you looking forward to during during uh, during deer season?" Make sure you say that. No, I mean, it's one of those things I wrote down is uh, taking Kristen hunting with me because that'll be fun. I'm also looking forward to youth hunts, which are hit or miss. They can be a lot of fun or very frustrating, mm -hmm. one of the two. Last year, I had a really weird experience where this kid, uh, you ever taken a little kid hunting, like a little kid? Mm, mm, like 12 or older, this, this kid I took last year was 10. What you, Brooks? No, I really haven't had I, I told you about taking that kid hunting last yeah, year, though. you did. It was youth weekend, and his mom message me and she she wanted him to go deer hunting right so i was like sure and i you know when you take a kid hunting you want them to not be bored right you want them to have fun and be comfortable and excited the whole time so you don't want to be out there forever waiting right yeah she had something she had to do so she had to drop <clears throat> him off to me two and a half hours before i would have liked to have had this kid right <laughs> so me and him get out there like two and a half hours before i know there's any chance of deer moving right and i was like this is bad off the get-go and uh, we sat there for two and a half hours, and then finally it was getting time. I was like, all right, now deer should start moving. I looked over at him, and I was like, you might want to go ahead and get ready any time now. And he's like sweating bullets, and it's like 60 degrees out. And I could just tell right off the bat this wasn't good at all. And he looked at me, and he said, I don't feel good. <laughs> like, and it, it wasn't five minutes later this kid was blowing chunks, like right there where we were laying on the ground deer hunting at. And I wanted, like, I was like, any second now, these deer are going to walk out, but this kid's sick, and... So I was kind of in a dilemma. I didn't want him to be uncomfortable. I didn't want him to not be having fun, right? So I sucked it up and I was like, "Can you? do you feel like staying or do you want to go? He said he wanted to leave. So I slowly started packing all my stuff up like as slow as possible, right? And I got it all packed up and uh, stood up and I was like, if we stay 15 more minutes, you could probably get a deer. And he said, no, I feel sick. I want to go. We stood up and took 10, 10 steps and the deer walked out and we had no chance. <laughs> but so that was frustrating, but it's still fun, you know, because yeah. I feel like if you could be there when the little kid actually does get his first deer, that would be like, that'd be a lot of fun for yeah, you too. Be, the thing is, you don't want to, you don't want to force a kid into a No, that's why, that's why. You, you got to kind of follow that example. Yeah. My yeah. niece shot her first deer with me. Really? I don't remember how old Lex was. I think she was like 10. Or it was fun like for you too. Yeah, we did it with a crossbow though. So we were out early season. We mm. went out opening weekend at crossbow. Well, that makes sense. October. She shot like 10, 10 yards. She killed a really nice doe. It was mm -hmm. like on her pounder. October is a good time to yeah. be out there for, for kids too. That's yeah. why it's good for Youth Weekend, is I because think so too, it's a yeah. com comfortable time of year. Mosquitoes mm -hmm. will die down a little bit. It's uh, it's not cold. It's not hot. But yeah, some of the other things I had that I'm most looking forward to: uh, first deer to walk by. That's mm -hmm. like one of my favorite deer of the season. It's the very first one I see. And I kind of told Brooks this earlier. Um, you know how before season you're thinking about deer hunting, you're always like seeing that big buck walk through in your mind. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're daydreaming and oh, here he comes and you're like, how's it going to be this year? Yeah. You, you're thinking about it. You're like daydreaming about this buck walking by and all those things. So that's all I've done leading up to season. 
And so then when I'm sitting in my stand, it's getting light on the first day, and I hear something crunch, and my heart starts beating all crazy. You is know what I mean? No, and I'll look over, and I, <laughs> it usually is. Yeah, I'll see like a, a leg come through the woods or like a little spot of brown, and I'm like instantly in my mind, it's a big buck because that's all I've imagined. <clears throat> so I get like buck fever like right off the bat, and it's a doe. But that first deer of the season gets my heart pumping. Like, well, that's the thing, though. I mean, even doesn't matter when it is. First deer definitely is going to be that, that 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 way. But doesn't matter what deer it is. If I see a deer, my heart starts. Oh, I always, yeah. I always enjoy it. I'm like, it always gets me excited. But after so many does and small bucks have walked mm-hmm. by, I mean, at some point, I'm, you know, when I see yeah, it, when I see a deer come my way, I'm not reaching for my bow. Usually, when I see deer come my way, I'm sitting real still and I'm waiting to see what it is. And I'm hoping I got time to grab my bow. Pretty much any time I see a deer, unless it's way off, if, if it's close to them in woods, if I, the first deer I see, I'm grabbing my bow so I have it. Yeah. Because I don't want me to have to pick up my bow if I see a, a buck come later on when yeah. there's other deer around. I want to have my bow ready to go if that first deer comes by. You know, and a lot of it has to do with where you hunt and how you hunt, too. Yeah. So, like, if, my, if I'm hunting a stand that's on the edge of a bean field, right, and a doe walks out, I'll get my bow and I'll be ready because that doe could feed in front of me for. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes and a buck could walk out right behind her so i need to be ready yeah. but if i'm hunting in some some woods and that deer's just passing through probably going to be out of sight within 15 or 20 seconds a lot of times i'll just let it go yeah but still even then like if you know it's going to be gone in 15 20 seconds you're only holding your bow for 15 or 20 seconds and you can put it back up mm-hmm. and because that that i mean depending on what time of year is that buck or yeah right i guess it's a give and take because if you reach for that bow and you get busted you sit still too yeah. obviously if, if you think you're busted you don't want to reach for the bow like every situation is different, and that's if you're telling if you're talking to, to a new hunter, that like you said earlier, there is no given, there's no <laughs> absolute in, in deer hunting. It's it's, yeah. oh, it's going to be different almost every single year. The only every time. the only thing I can speak to absolutes about is there's no question. I saw like uh, my success rise when I really understood and knew like every piece of equipment that I was using. Mm-hmm. So, and what I mean by that is like no one like really practicing with your tree stand and. Your bow. And yeah. Yeah. The more efficient go, you can be with it all. Going into to season with confidence, knowing that, that yeah, you've done what it takes to be successful when you get in the woods. I'd say being really comfortable with your bow is probably most important. Because mm-hmm. when you're shooting at a deer, it's a, it's a lot more of what, like learned, learned shooting. You know what I mean? It's like what you do naturally is what you're going to do when it's you like shoot autom- a deer. It's like autom- you're not even yeah, exactly. thinking about it. You're you just cannot, shooting it. You cannot replicate that situation in practice. No. no. You just can't. No. Because your heart is beating thousand beats a minute the absolute best way to practice is to shoot 3d and shoot at the crease in the shoulder i think so and i think just a lot of practice a lot of shooting yeah like i think maybe new hunters or people that don't have experience but they they may think that it doesn't take as much time shooting say you're shooting at a bag shooting at a target shooting at anything if you have a habit of uh what do you call it um you call it panic shoot i call it i call it snap shooting Punching trigger. Yeah, so if you have a habit of punching the trigger, as soon mm-hmm. as you see your sights get where you think they're good, you punch that trigger before you really take in what you're seeing. If you do that when you're shooting targets, you're going to do that when you're shooting at a deer 100% of the time. Probably times 10. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. yeah. whatever your bad habits are, are going to be amplified. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we all have bad habits. I mean, we're yeah. all humans, yeah. that's for sure. But. but that's why it's important to practice with your butt. Yeah. You need to get to where you're really comfortable and you're putting good shots down range really consistently. Because, I mean... Bad shot take that one step further. As a, as a hunter, I mean, I think all of us in this room, uh, we love the animals just as much mm-hmm. as anybody out there that calls himself an animal lover. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably more. Yeah, absolutely, you're absolutely 100% right. So yeah. we want to do everything we can to make the best shot, ethical, ethical shot we can. Sure. And so in that moment, you want to be ready to make the best shot you can so that animal. I, lo- I love them. 
except for that big old doe. <laughs> yeah, she kind of. I'm just kidding. I still want to be ethical with her. It is like a, I feel like it's everybody's responsibility to yep. practice and know your equipment, yep. shoot from your tree stand. As a hunter, if you're not practicing, if you're not yep. practicing with your bow, especially before you go out there and know your equipment, like you said, then you're not and you're not doing things the the, the best possible way. That's right. Well, yeah, and I mean, I know we hate to speak from bad experiences, but. I mean, I've been oh, I, I've been bitten before because oh, I've sure. I make bad shots. Yeah, that's another one of those learn from experience things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like last year, I mean, that shot I made the first shot I made on the buck that I ended up taking. I mean, I'm not I, I, I probably missed. I don't know how that deer didn't die. Well, I, I say I, pro- I probably missed where I was aiming by yeah. two inches, and, and he lived. But at the same time, it was a shot angle. So you got to think about where the kill zone is within the deer, and you know, I mean, the angle of the arrow, how it's going to affect it when it hits the deer, the angle of the arrow is going in, and where it's actually passing through. You need to be aiming at something, and this might be a little bit more advanced. I don't, you need to be aiming at something inside the deer, not a spot on the deer's hide. Mm-hmm. You know, think about that. You're obviously going to aim at the outside of the deer because that's all you can see. But right. what you're trying to hit is actually inside of there. Yeah, I've always, I've heard like uh, Scott King, the, the archery shop owner, always told me like aim for your exit. Yep. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, and I think people maybe understand. That's one of the things he said. It's, it's learned. You got to experience it. Mm-hmm. I've never in heard the heat that. Heat of the moment. It's hard to really think about that sometimes. Sure. You got to really try to slow down your mind. Aim and, for uh, your exit. And uh, especially if, uh, if a deer is quartered away from you or something like that, yeah. you got to you got to picture it. Like you said, Chase, where where the lungs are, where the heart is within that animal. Well, that's what, gonna that's what did it for vitals. for me. It wasn't quartered away or anything. It was a steep shot. Mm-hmm. It was a close shot. The deer was below me. And that's completely and that different it too. Because yeah, those are hard. It starts a question. Okay, where exactly do I aim with yeah. where my pin is? It's it's, and that's where the practice comes into play. And typically, I will shoot from an elevated spot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'll get up in the barn loft and shoot out of the loft and things like that. I think that's good practice too. A lot of people Absolutely. take a deer stand up in their backyard. Yeah. Some people go shoot out of their deer stand. I don't like to do that. Not where I'm going to hunt. I wouldn't. No, hunt. no, I wouldn't. Some people hunt. A now, lot if you're doing it back in June or early July, still yeah, wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> But I still probably wouldn't recommend it. No, I would not. I I have this really weird thing about don't spend any more time in the woods than you have to. No, that's exactly how. You're going to hide. There's my advice to anybody listening. There's no, there's Leave like, it alone. there's different philosophies. So when I was yeah. telling you about Brandon earlier, some of the things that me and him disagree about yeah. is we hunt, or we both, I consider myself to be a decent deer hunter. Brandon, I consider him to be a decent deer hunter. We both have pretty good success. Uh-huh. We hunt 180% different, right? Like he, he goes and checks his cameras every week, every Saturday. He's mm-hmm. in there checking his cameras. He's feeding corn. You know what I mean? He does all this stuff and uh, I don't feed corn. I check my cameras once every three weeks to a month. My, his philosophy is to get the deer used to you, to bring the deer to you, right? My philosophy is to don't let the de- deer know you're there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm hunting the deer in their natural, however they're going to be doing things. If I'm not there, if I'm never in those woods, I want, I'm hunting them that way. But yeah, I mean, he has a lot of success. He kills big deer every year. Sure. Before me. Usually he kills his in September. Mm-hmm. He's hunted like three total days for bucks the last two years because he's mm-hmm. tagged out opening weekend each year. Uh, good for him. That's great. Yeah, yeah, good for him. But I don't consider his deer to be trophies. <laughs> I'm, I'm just harsh. kidding. That I'm just harsh. kidding. I will say this: that uh, <laughs> that like for anybody that's new or wants to know about like public land hunting, that's not an option for you. So I would tell you to, you need to scout by maps. Yeah. Figure out how to get away from people. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most important thing. So you got to think that the majority of people aren't. They don't want to walk a mile. A mile in there. Sure. Um, so the farther you can get away, you look at access points. If, the, if people can't access a certain spot, it's going to take them. 30 minutes to walk back there 
that's probably where you want to go. I went and scouted a spot just last week um, on public land where it took me um, where it was a, over a mile and a quarter to get to for me to and I'm I walk fast, um, so it takes me about 20 minutes to walk there. Sure. You know, it's, to me, it's not too bad. No, I don't think so. I mean, Scott and I in the past have walked that far, even on private ground. Just that's the way. Like we, you couldn't drive. At, like we just needed to walk in to keep the deer calm and mm -hmm. doing what they were doing. But yeah, for public ground, that's probably my biggest piece of advice: is pay attention to wind and. Well, wind's the most important thing. Walk. All I, the time. Uh, yeah, we're all <laughs> going to agree on that. But. Um, yeah, wind by far the most important thing, and that's I mean that's how you set up your stand. That's how you decide when to hunt what stand. That's right. It's 100% of everything mm -hmm. is wind. And, 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 the, and I'm thinking here is what if what if I'm a brand new hunter and I'm hearing, hearing us say, you got to look at the wind. Well, what do you do? Pay attention to what, what direction you be got to be from. It's really hard to sit here and explain all of that. Um, it really takes time to understand um, because then you got to understand, okay, where are they coming from? Where are they going? Why are they going? What time of day are they going to be there? Sure. Where's the wind blowing to from at that point? Yeah. Um, you, obviously, generally, you want your wind to be blowing away from where you, the, you think the deer are going to be. And the easiest way to, to look at that is, is look at trails and to see where the trails are and set up on the downwind side of them. Not just, I mean, playing the wind, yes, but you have to learn your area based on wind. Yeah. Like if I'm hunting near a creek, wind is not the same. Uh, it's not just blowing from the west everywhere. No. I mean, if you've got a, a ravine that runs down a certain area and hits a creek, I mean, sometimes a west wind for me in a certain spot means a south wind. You know what I mean? Just based on the way that the wind rolls around the hills and stuff like that. And the topography so, and stuff. Yeah, you ha you, yeah sure. exactly. The topography of the down land. in the bottoms, the wind is going to normally swirl. It's hard to hunt down in ravines or down in low areas because the wind gets down there and just swirls. Not yeah. ju not and just at, at nighttime, it sucks your wind down in the, there, too. Yeah, th those thermals. Mm -hmm. you, the, the way I remember it by is thermals, typically, I remember by the sun. In the mornings, when the sun's rising, the thermals are rising, so the wind naturally wants to come up. In the evenings, the sun's going down, so I think, okay, so the th thermals normally want to come down. If, if it's a really calm day, those thermals are going to be more into effect because they're just naturally going to, to fall at night and rise. Uh, and yeah, it's basically as what the temperature's doing. You can say what the sun's that doing, too. too. Yeah. But yeah, but that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, th I guess that would probably come into effect if a front was coming in as well, right? Yeah. Thanks. Sorry. You think so? Yeah, I think so. so you know what? I, I you had me on something really good in my mind a second ago, brother. That's why I, I have think, a notepad here. Or, or I think it's important for people to like look at like a Google Earth your whatever yeah. area you're hunting and pay attention to that and do research that way. Um, but you really do have to get out and put some yeah, miles boots on the ground on. are best. Yeah. But if you want to narrow down where you want to go, because I mean, there's public land out there, or just playing that land in general that's hundreds, thousands of acres. You mm -hmm. can't walk at all. Um, over the course of years, you can learn it all. But let's say you let's say you're just now starting out to go hunting this fall, and you want to go learn. You, you need to pick out 50 to 100 acres, maybe, and really narrow that down to figure out that area. And like I said, the best way to start is to look at maps and find you know find funnels. Funnels are really how deer walk through the woods, whether it's a saddle or or draws or that kind of thing. And and that's that's really a basic way to look at it. You can get much more advanced. I, uh, I've kind of moved on from that a little bit, but if you're going to start out, that's a great way to start out and learn. Pinch points. Pinch points, yeah. Yeah, you can typically find those on topo maps too. Well, there's also that way. narrow spots of woods where it goes between water and fields or stuff. It's just really understanding where deer are most comfortable moving. Yeah, like a, a wide open field, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. Where are deer going to cut across a wide open field at? They're not. 
Well, I mean, sometimes. Because <laughs> there's beans. There's this, there's this narrow spot or where there's some thicker grass. Well, they typically don't want to cut through close to a tree line. They'll get out there in the open and cut through and low spots. So they, they can, they can oh, find. Okay, I see what you're saying. Sorry. They'll, they'll find a way to stay hidden sure. in an open field. Like I'm thinking this big field that, uh, that I go near quite a bit. You can be in one spot. You won't think there's a deer in that field. You get yourself elevated about 20 feet or so, climb up the silo or something like that, you'll realize that they're just hugging the low spot in that field, and there's a roll in you the field. You can't see them. Yeah, they're, they're staying hidden. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they find, so it's just understanding how those deer are going to move. Follow creeks, of course. So creeks are creeks. creeks are big. If you can find where a couple of creeks or small bodies of water come together, draws come together, there's usually a hub right there. Yep. There's usually a hub of deer crossings right there. But then again, that's that low area, and it's hard to hunt because it's the wind swirls. It all comes together. <clears throat> it's not unusual, too, to see, like, really good trail lines 10 or 15 yards right inside of a, a tree line. Oh, no. Still, too. They kind so. of, it's all about deer like to stay hidden, but be able to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, deer, like, that's so that's kind of how they set up when they bed. Mm-hmm. They, they like to be able to see what's out there because they're actively looking for predators and things like that. But they also want to stay hidden. They don't want to be seen either. So, it's kind of, that's kind of how they set up and how they move. And uh, that's a, I lost it. Something's wrong with me today. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I've started to try to scout by bedding, and yeah. uh, you talked about they want to they want to be hidden, but they want to be able to see too. Yeah, they'll usually bed with that wind coming over their backs and looking down over open areas. It's insane. It's uh, I just scouted last week for this, and it was insane what I found just and based on that. Like what you can learn too. Yeah. It's incredible how smart mm-hmm. deer are. Yeah. To me. Typical, like to like to think about like a like buck betting and stuff. Yeah. A typical it's wind, crazy. A typical wind in this really anywhere is a west south, a west wind. West south, southwest south, wind, yeah. sometimes northwest, but primarily a west wind. So the majority of the your your beds and the ones that I found are gonna be on what they call the leeward side, which is the downwind side, which is normally the east facing slope where that wind is coming over across the top of that ridge and they're it's coming over their backs and they're looking down over the bottom. What I, what I found when I scouted that way was it, it really blew my mind how I because I've been watching and trying to read about this and learn and I walked right to pretty much where these beds should be and they were there. Yeah, it was truly really cool to learn that just uh, as a deer aficionado and somebody just loves watching them just how cool that was to recognize. And that's one of the better things about deer. <clears throat> Earlier you were in the very beginning of this. You said something about how you think you got them figured out and then all of a sudden it won't work out. But the thing is, deer really are predictable animals. Yeah. You know what I mean? They have they have habits and sure. patterns and like I'm I'm on this farm I'm thinking about. I'm on private property and it doesn't get messed with a whole lot and those deer are pretty dang predictable. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I can stick to those patterns and depending on the crop rotation, they're probably gonna stick with them. But so that that's one of the things about deer. It's almost like bass, you know, based on the water temperature, based on the, the pressure, what time of year it is, are they getting ready to breed, are they fattening up for winter, what are they doing? You can pretty much get an idea what the deer are gonna do. That's one of the funner things about hunting them. Yeah. In my opinion. Can you hear me scratching my legs? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Something's squeaking. Your shoes are squeaking. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Are they bleeding yet? Oh, they were yesterday. <laughs> I have chiggers. Bad. I'm going to include that at the beginning, so people, they're already going to know. <laughs> That's how this podcast is going to start with you Cheers. asking if my legs are bleeding. <laughs> right. If that doesn't draw you in, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Chiggers suck. Oh, well, mosquitoes suck, too, and that's what we got to look forward to now. i got to get the old thermosel ready. Yeah. Thermosel works, too. Yes, it, it does. It works, man. It's, yeah. it's a lifesaver. So both of you know Rachel just got new private land hunt. Been hunting public land. I know, Brooks, you got some private land last year. 
You're small. Yeah, but I mean, but still private land's private land, but you guys have both been hunting public land and still are hunting public land, even yeah. though you got private. So, but uh, a lot of people ask about, and you know what? I'm actually here in a minute going to go into my phone because I've got a bunch of questions people have asked, including your husband, <laughs> Rachel. Yeah, they're funny. Numerous questions. He's trying from to be funny. Trying to be funny. That's exactly how a wife would say he's trying to be funny. <laughs> but um, so talk about how you got the private land real quick. Because that's something a lot of people don't. That's the first hard step for a lot of people. It's, is especially get, for somebody that's kind of that's not outgoing because I'm not outgoing whatsoever. I'm, I'm kind of uh, introverted. So just going up and knocking on somebody's door eh, is it the thing that kind of it doesn't apply. Uh, uh, it's not something that really sparks my interest. You don't really want to do it. I don't really want to do it. But you have to. If you want want access, you got to do it. Um, sometimes you'll be turned down 19 out of 20 out of 20 times, but the next one could, could say yes. What is that, Rachel? I know, sorry. <laughs> Playing with your phone. I wasn't. It just popped up. But, no, I simply just went and, and I, I scouted online. Uh, I, I found out who owned a certain property. You can go either to, uh, the local PVA, PVA yep. the county PVA and look at maps or there's a lot of online, um, Places that you can figure out um, who owns specific land, and I found out who owned the land, and I just went and knocked on the door and just told them, told them my name, and I mean I made sure I dressed a certain way to where I didn't look like I just you know, you know woke up out of bed, and you know I made sure I looked you know presentable, and I went and just explained who I was, how long I've been deer hunting, um, that I only want a bow hunt, that I think that obviously helps. Yeah, it um, does definitely absolutely help. helps. And explained who I was and just. For, just started chit chatting. I, I didn't get to this point with this gentleman, but I, but I would have explained to him, hey, if you ever need help on the farm, you have a tree needs help cut down or anything like that. I'm more than happy to help with that kind of stuff. But uh, I just kind of started talking to him and formed up a little relationship, and uh, he allowed me to hunt. So, in my experience getting new places to hunt, uh, first impressions are most important. Absolutely. So when you walk up to the door, whether it's a man, a woman, whoever it is, you just look them in the eye, shake their hand, and that's the very first step mm-hmm. to me. It's just, you know, just being polite and you know, seeming like a trustworthy person. Yeah. Don't look down. Don't turn your back to them, mm-hmm. and you know, address them, sir, ma'am, whatever. That's that's the first most important step, in my opinion. Because yeah. I mean, people develop an opinion about you instantly oh, the first, when the they meet you. I've I've never knocked on a door. So I've, the only people I've asked, I've like seen at like their mailbox or okay. at like the end of the driveway and stopped. I've, that helps a lot too. Cause you yeah. And I, I don't know. This is just me. Y'all know I'm kind of weird anyways. But uh, I was always like very, uh, I don't, just uncomfortable being a girl, like walking on, knocking on some stranger's door. Shut up, Chase. Oh, I didn't say a word. When you said I've always been very uncomfortable being a girl, I was like, No, no, not I, I, like very uncomfortable, like just knocking on a shut you, up. You pause, you pause too long. Sorry, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to say it and not sound crazy like last time. Well, you sounded crazy you when you started. This part out. You started telling me to shut up, and I hadn't said anything. <laughs> I saw your eyebrow twitching. <laughs> You're waiting to make fun of me. I've always been. Um, pretty aware of like, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I've never been comfortable enough to like walk up and as a girl, it just made me uncomfortable to knock on somebody's door. I thought, oh, maybe little Ted Bundy will be behind it. So it weirded me out. Well, you're going to get the, well, I never had considered Ted Bundy living on that farm that you were going to ask permission (laughs) for. Me neither. (laughs) 
But uh, I think it's a little paranoia. A, a so, lot of it depends on who's the one answering that door. Yeah. And if um, you don't know. And and sometimes it helps. I mean, it helped me. I, th- I believe my wife was with me. She's yeah. not a hunter. She was just happened to be with me. And uh, so it, so if I'm knocking on the door and she's next to me, obviously I'm looking a lot less threatening. Um, threatening. Yeah. Sure. Probably if she's with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that helped or not. But it will. Okay, so. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm just not going to look at you anymore. All right. So, I never knocked on doors because I was weirded out by like knocking on a stranger's door and not knowing who was going to answer. It's called paranoia. I know. And, but I would no. ask people if I like saw them in their yard working or something like that. There was like a certain area that was close to my house, and I was like, if I could find a piece of ground in this area, it would be really convenient. I could hunt in the evenings after work, uh, early season, that sort of stuff. Um, but I never got any yeses. It was always like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> so That's I got a, a ton of no's. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, I met a lady and we were just talking at an event and she gave me permission to hunt her mm-hmm. place. So uh, I think you just have to ask and keep asking. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with asking. No. I got a lot of no's. I'm not mad at any of the people for telling me no, but no, I mean, it was definitely people, awesome to get a guess. People differently. Some are going to probably get that question often. And after a while, I get frustrated and like, no, they won't hear it. But uh, yep. one thing I was gonna say was the time of day that you approach them is obviously gonna be gonna matter, mm-hmm. um, especially for a farmer. If you're going to up to a farmer, um, try to approach them at a time where they might be, you know, maybe later afternoon to where they're off the crop fields or something like that, to where you're not making them stop the tractor or um, maybe they're in transition, you know, out by their gate, out by the road. Yeah. I think that helps if they're out by the road where you don't have to actually go out to the, onto the property mm-hmm. and uh, because some. No, no, no. You're not saying to sit and wait to stalk this person, <laughs> are you? Hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> no, no, not he's not saying that. I, I only so. stop when I like, saw people out, and yeah. then I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to swing in here and ask. Yeah. But yeah, some people get asked a ton, some people don't get asked a I mean, like. <laughs> this one's kind of funny. <laughs> so back to like worried I'm going to get kidnapped and Ted Bundy's going to whatever. There was a, a gentleman out at the end of his driveway. And so I like had to turn around and pull in to stop and ask. And it was like 10 or 15 acres. But it was a really nice area. Firehouse, kind of like a, you know, just a nice deer hunting area. Yeah. Find a lot of deer there. And so I'm like chasing him up his driveway. And I'm like, sir, sir. And like chasing him up. And his dog is like running around me and like jumping on me. Mm-hmm. It's like a golden retriever. It's like, I, have no, I can't get him to stop. Like, is it his service dog? No. Okay. Like, I, thought, I thought he was sir. deaf. Well, I finally like, get up to him like, Hey, sir. Well, he had he had headphones in. He was like jamming out to his headphones. Oh, that's really awkward because you're like two feet from him. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> awkward. Yeah. I think himself. I scared him more than he scared me. But oh man, I, yeah. If I uh, if I was you in that situation, and I was chasing this person down the driveway. I probably would have stopped and turned around at some point. Yeah. Like this is just gonna be too weird. <laughs> it, well, he didn't say yes. I think he thought like, what is that wrong with that girl? <laughs> Now, see, the opposite, if, if you were a man chasing him and he turned around, that could have been bad. I know. Yeah. I, I, I wonder how it goes for women versus men asking for permission. Well, I've never had a guy give me permission. I don't know. I feel like... But I've had a lady give me permission. Going back to what I said about first impressions, I feel like just in general, women seem more trustworthy than men. That might be sexist about me, but it's sexist against men. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's perfectly fine. I just feel like in general, women are a little bit more trusted than men in general. You yeah. know what I mean? Obviously less threatening. Yeah, it seems, it, seems like, it seems like it could... How many you know, how many times do you think... You, how many properties do you think you went to, Rachel, no. before you said, but got a yes? Before I got a yes. 
Probably 25. Yeah. Or more. Probably, probably about the same. And that's over years. I mean, I didn't ever yeah, really. Yeah, not all in one time. I always said I was going to, like, oh, this summer I'm going to be after it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to ask 50 people. Yeah. And I've said that this summer I still don't have anybody yet. Yeah, and if I would have, it, you know, that may have been different, too. But, uh, you know, there's fishing to do and yeah. everything else going on. Work. So. Yeah, work. Efficient season ends, and no, it doesn't. I know. I just said that because <laughs> that's that. always Scott said. Yeah, he's funny. Speaking of Scott, I want to get to some of these questions. One of the other things I had written down on my list here was just that, in my opinion, deer are the best game species in the U.S. White-tailed deer. White-tailed deer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Best is, I guess, objective. I think uh, best. But uh, <laughs> Chase loves deer. No, I'm I, just saying. I do too. I mean, there's nothing else I would rather chase. I I, I believe that. The problem. I'm pretty sure they're most popular or most. Oh, absolutely. Most no, there there are species. there are other species I would probably rather hunt, but I'm just thinking like, what makes a game species great? Yeah. You know what I mean? I would, elk hunting sounds pretty great to me. I'd like to go yeah. after a lot of different stuff, but elk are, the range is is limited. So here's what I think about deer. Right? You can tell me what you think. Deer are all over the U.S. Right? They're literally in every state. Nevada doesn't have a ton of them. California, parts of California don't That's have. Why? I have access to your Continental U.S. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Glad you cleared. They go up into they go up into Canada and all the way down into into South America also. So yeah. all of Mexico, Canada, every state in the U.S. Continental U.S. Um, so they have a, a, a wide range. What other game species can you say that has like? And you could probably name a few, but whatever game species you're going to name that has a wide range like that isn't going to give you nearly the amount of meat, right? Right. Yeah. So you're talking about benefit of what do you, what do you get off a of deer? Uh, how huntable are deer and then another thing i like about them that we've talked about a little bit is it can be as challenging as you want it to be you can make deer hunting super hard on yourself you can uh, bow hunt them on public land and you can you know set set a high standard for yourself as far as i'm only going to shoot a a deer this age or whatever you want to do or you can go out during gun season and you can you know pretty much go out there and have an opportunity to shoot a doe you know what i mean so it, it doesn't have to be an extremely hard thing to do it can, oh. can be. Well, in our area. Yeah, in our area. But, I mean, that's true for a lot of places. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if all counties in our state have deer like we do. No, I mean, all counties. Well, it's different. Yeah. That's what Eastern this... Kentucky might be a little tougher, isn't it? Oh, it is. But... Yeah, certainly tougher. Is it? I've never hunted it, so I can't say, speak on it. But there's still much. deer there. There's still plenty of deer there. Even after EHD last year, there's still a lot more deer than I think people realize. I've been to Eastern Kentucky on an elk hunt since EHD hit last year and we saw deer every day. Did you? Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak. I can't speak. And that was on public land. But I will say there's tons of opportunities for deer hunting. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think, I think, I think officially it is the most sought after game species. It's the most popular game species in North America. Um, yeah. It's like what every TV show about hunting is around. I should listen to a, the I think he was vice president of programming for Outdoor Channel recently, and he said that I think the percentage was about sixty five percent whitetail hunting in terms of draw on that show was it was the most it was definitely the most important the most well drew the most viewers. Well, that's because it comes across well on TV, mm-hmm. and it's like I said the most popular game species in North America. So the more people are going to be interested in that than any other type of hunting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that makes perfect sense. There's a variety of hunting styles. Yeah. Bow, gun, bait, trails, ground, rut, calling, sit and wait, stalk. You can pretty much do anything. Yeah. Ground tree stand. Yeah. I mean, you can pretty much do anything 
deer hunting wise you can have fun however you want to but that's why it's my favorite species mm-hmm. yeah and i should probably branch out myself to try different formats of doing it because i'm mainly a tree stand hunter hey last so, like you know i don't do any ground hunting i never have but i think it'd be fun last year i mean I, I did a lot of ground hunting back in the day now i strictly hunt out of deer stands for bucks because too much goes wrong on the ground mm-hmm. if you're doe hunting yeah be on the ground have fun you can be down there eye level with them it's a whole different experience it's a lot of fun you don't care as much when you get busted by a doe. Yeah. But when it happens with a buck, what, Rachel? What's that noise? Air Yeah. Oh. All right, sorry. Okay. Know when the tornado comes. There's a paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> that, an air conditioner <laughs> or a tornado? I see blue well, skies. The wind was blowing really hard, whatever, y'all. All right. But like I was saying, so buck hunting for me has changed. I used to do it on the ground a lot. A lot of stuff went wrong for me on the ground. Now I strictly do it out of a deer stand. And with doe hunting, I still like being on the ground. Last year, you were talking about changing styles, Brooks. Last year, I kayaked in twice mm-hmm. on, uh, on a creek. And that's doable on public land. All I, I think that's a fabulous opportunity. It was a great way to access. It was the first time. Well, kayak sales are going up. It's becoming more and more popular. More people are getting kayaks and canoes. So it should become more popular or more uh, more often done, I guess. Is the, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you want to go get away from people, that's a great way to do it on but, public land. Yeah. I don't know how many public land areas in a lot Kentucky a lot of places have a lot of places have water access yeah i mean i know they like can t- almost every lake in there um WMAs. yeah obviously y'all you know well you got the core property which is a different story I, know, I, I don't know WMAs enough about around no land around green i think around taylorsville i think cumberland has some public hunting dale yeah dale have public hunting i'm not sure i think um, they do what's, what's the one around the grayson yep grayson lake um, I turkey hunted that. We did yeah. a turkey hunt there. There's a lot of opportunity, but I tried There's that. A ton I, of opportunities to, to put in a kayak or a John boat or something mm-hmm. on bodies of water. Well, that's how you've done most of your public land hunting, yep. Rachel. Yeah, absolutely. So then I tried that for the first time last year, and it was a blast. Definitely doing it again this year. Heck yeah, that's awesome. We got two does that way, and it's kind of fun paddling out with a doe on the <laughs> kayak. People staring at you. <laughs> like, 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 Native American that? and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't. If I had an old town canoe or something like that, maybe a little more. I need to go with Bob. Bob would do it. All right, I need to get out my phone here and look at some of these messages and comments because I just put a thing on Instagram earlier on mine and on the Kentucky Field Instagram page, saying uh, that we were doing this podcast and saying, "Hey, send us a message or drop us a comment if you have anything." And a lot of these are going to be things that, like, obviously, we aren't experts. We don't have anything to do with laws or regs or. Yeah. And I, I don't. I don't know all the. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know all this stuff, right? So yeah. some of this stuff, I'm just I to grab a uh, guide down from the shelf up there before start, Some that. things I'm just not going to touch. Well, I would tell you that uh, if anybody is interested in public land hunting, you can go to the department's website. Here's the first. Yeah. There's a ton of res- find. There's a ton of resources there that you can learn about all the different lands around your area. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the first place to go to learn a what seasons are open because they're not all open for the gun seasons. Yep. Not all open for muzzleloaders. I don't believe there's different. You got to really research each individual land, public land, to make sure you're hunting it correctly. And then from there, you can branch out to start looking at maps and uh, access and uh, uh, topo features. All right. So here is the first one. We're just going to go ahead and get this out of the way. I'll let you touch on this, Brooks. All right. Try and, cl- try and clarify some about the deer season and bag limits. A lot of people seem to be a little confused about the hunting guide. Yeah, I think most people are. 
Um, and there's a lot of going on around that where the proposers are still in kind of uh, they're up in the air, up in the air. Yeah. Um, so as of right now, though, the the regs and everything as of right now are the same they were last year. Everything is the same. Um, all those regs are going to be the same. And the, the hunting guide came out just without some of the specifics. You got to look at that and look and reference last year's dates. Everything's going to be basically the same. Well, although it could be more likely will be changing. Well, I'm going to say more like, so basically right now, everything's the same as it was last year, but there is a chance it could change yeah. between now and season starting. So, so the, September 1st, you can go yeah. archery hunt. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But but bef- deer. before deer season comes out, there will be an official thing that's published as well. There will be new hunting guides published, and there will also be a poster that's put out at retailers that hold hunting guides, and it will be on our website, and I'm sure we'll push it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So, yeah. So you got to really... Pay attention to the website, the Fish and Wildlife, Wildlife website, which is fw.ky.gov. They have a special message up there right now talking about these re- these regulations and when they might and all that kind of stuff. So just keep an eye on that, and uh, that's your best bet. Yeah, yeah, and as a hunter, it's your job to yep. know the rules and regulations. Yep. And if you don't, that's no excuse. Yeah, but in a, in a nutshell, look at what we have out there right now. Same as last year. Tentatively, there's a chance they could change. That's why we didn't print them in the hunting guide. Because we don't want to print the wrong thing. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's fine. That's all. I was, oh, was going to say, call the 800 number if you have like. If oh you yeah. 800-858-1549 is the information center. Yeah, and you can um, ask any question you want. Ask any question. Yeah, I'm more than happy to help. All right. Next question. What are your thoughts on using ozone as a scent preventative? Does it work, or are you better just to play the wind? I can answer this one. I've got an opinion on this one too. You go. Okay. You go ahead. I'm going to start. So. <laughs> A couple years ago, Scott and I bought this Explorer. I'm about to blow your mind with this story. And it smelled so bad of cat piss. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, I <laughs> it was disgusting. All right. I'm sorry. Like, I probably shouldn't say it. it smelled like cat urine. It was like, make your eyes water. What part of it smelled that way? Like the inside, the Explorer. I don't know. I think they bred cats in this car. They bred cats. You're talking about bred cats. You're talking about a Ford Explorer. A Ford Explorer. Okay, I did not. Okay, go ahead. All right, so a Ford Explorer. We got this Explorer. It was a good deal because it smelled like cat urine. Well, my mom is a realtor, and she has an ozone machine for houses, and you can put that machine in a house, and it eliminates all of the odor in the house. Overnight, we put it in the Explorer. No more cat urine smell, like that. But Okay, so I will say, all right, that works. It's not good for you. I'm not sure it's good for the environment. I can see that it eliminates your odor, but outside, you still have wind blowing. I don't know. I just think, like, we're predators. We're always going to smell like predators to a deer, in my opinion. So um, I think it's more important to hunt wind, but I have buddies that use them, and they think they work. So. Oh, I think that they, they work to a point, but I don't think you should trust technology. Trust uh, trust the wind. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I've gone out there before, and I've taken the ozonics with me, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea behind the ozonics is that the ozone is heavier than the air. So they want you to mount it in a certain location, and it's supposed to kind of capture your scent as it goes down. It's supposed to eliminate your scent. It's supposed to take your scent to the ground and just eliminate it, right? So it's not in the air to be blown around. I was hunting that day, and uh, three and a half hours into my hunt, my ozonics went dead. So I was just sitting in the tree, right? Luckily, I was playing my wind anyway. But I just, I just wouldn't trust it. You're always putting off scent. You're breathing. You're going to smell. It's hot early season. You're going to be sweating. I think there's certain things that come through the so-called hunting industry yeah. every once in a while that uh, that that these companies are willing to pay to advertise enough that they get out there and then people start to gain momentum. And 
and that, in my opinion, that's kind of what one of these things is, kind of like. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't work though. Yeah, I, I don't know if it doesn't work. I, I think it, I, I think it. I think it does work, but I'm, I'm not skeptic. saying I trust it. I'm a skeptic by nature, so I'm very skeptical of it. It's just another one of those things. I carry too much to the woods anyway. That's not something else I want to carry into the woods with me. I think. Um, well, cat piss is the perfect example. I think it does work. I'm sorry. No, it works. We'll start again. Cat urine is a perfect example. Well, you can say piss on this podcast. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, so. yeah. <laughs> you can take it out. I apologize. Um, so it does work. I just, how can you control that outside? I don't think you can. I think maybe in a blind it might be a, but, so, so, a better I mean, thing. You use that example as saying that it works, but how, how does that prove that it works? Yeah, it took the smell away from there, but there had to be some kind of smell. After oh, no, ozone there's smells. O- there's an ozone I know, smell. I know. For some people, it can actually be sickly to them. Yeah, it's cause, harmful. Yeah. Because so, it, like it somehow, I don't know. Especially in a, in, a, in a contained environment. Like people right. will put it in their vehicles like, and try to get it out of their, on their way to their car, to their hunt. All right, you know what? And it can be gunky sick. I think we've all proved how we're not experts on the ozone <laughs> as well. It's fun to talk it's, about and okay. argue, though. So I can say for the, like the house one, like the big industrial size one, you can't have anything living in the house while you're using that because it Such removes the. Yeah, you can't have humans, plants, animals. It'll kill everything. It removes the oxygen somehow. I don't know. Uh, I, I, okay, to answer the question, my, my opinion is <laughs> ozone and ozonics that probably eliminates some scent. It probably helps, but playing the wind is always your best bet. Absolutely. Always your best bet. Next question Emily Edwards. Um, if your guest is a bow hunter, which you both are, Ask what his, her preferred yardage is to take a shot. I like 25 yards. Well, 20 to 25 is, yards. is 20, 25 and under. Yeah, oh, I, don't, I don't like it too close, though. I, I like that 20-yard shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you'd rather have a 5 or 10-yard shot as opposed to a 40 to 45-yard shot. Probably not out of a deer stand. Is that Emily? Yeah. Emily, you said? Yeah, Emily Edwards. I would say that I practice to 60. Well, I would I, never shoot a deer past 30. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. And that's 30 yards would be a really long shot for... I really think like most majority of people hunt in Kentucky. I shot a deer last year as a doe out in a field. Um, I think it was like 37 yards is what I shot her for. It's the longest shot I ever taken on, on a deer. She went 40 yards and died. Um, but it was it was definitely at the peak of my reach. And I'm an avid um, archer. You know, I compete and everything um, in competitions. Um, so I, I, I shoot a lot. And I still, I wouldn't shoot. I, I would rather not shoot past 30 yards. No, yeah. Practice uh, further than you're going to shoot, but practice the most where you are going to shoot. And for me, the last five or six deer bucks I've taken have been 30 and under. I've never shot a deer over 25 yards. And it really matters what the deer is, is doing at the time. Are they on alert? If they're on alert, past 30, and you're probably not going to kill that deer. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time. But if they're just feeding and they're really calm, um, you can shoot a little further, but I would recommend definitely 30 and under. And um, for ladies or like uh, out there youth, keep in mind too that we're shooting a lot slower than yeah. Ch- like Chase. I'm sure you're shooting. I'm not speed. I'm not shooting. Really. I'm not shooting a speed bow though. But yeah, I'm probably putting the arrow out at 280. Yeah. But that's out the bow. And for a hunting arrow, that's not slow. I'm like 220, 225. Yeah. I'm slow. So. People look at IBO and like they think they're both shooting that fast with a hunting arrow. Yeah. And if it is, you're probably shooting too light of an arrow. Yeah, right. And I only shoot 63 pounds. Yeah. That's all you need. I used to have an 80-pound bow. It's not necessary. No, no. no. And then I realized it's much more important to be comfortable, to be able to draw smoothly, to be able to let down. Because I've, I've had situations where I've had to let down and redraw. You know, you draw real slow. I mean, I practice that. I practice drawing my bow real slow and 
blend it down. Those are things you need to do when you're not in the stand. Next question, Mitchell Green, is bow hunting mornings in the early season a good idea? My answer is no. Well, it depends. I mean, it depends. Not not in a place you're going to see deer out where they're eating. It's about risk-reward for me. If, if you can get to a spot where you know they're traveling back to their beds from where they're feeding, yeah, and the wind's right, go for it. Yeah, if you're, if you're hitting a travel corridor, I agree. But the thing about early season is that's one of the easiest times to get on a good buck is because if you've done your scouting, that means you can have them patterned. And if you have it to your pattern, the last thing you want to do is bump them from that pattern, right? Yeah. Early mornings are probably, if you're walking in there before it's daylight, that's one of your best opportunities to walk up on a deer that you don't know yeah. is there and to bump that deer. And if you, because they're going to be up and move, moving yeah, around by th that time. They're, they're already up and moving. If you're walking in there when you can't see what's going on, you take a chance of bumping them. And yeah. bumping a deer that's on a pattern early season is, is in my opinion, one of the biggest no-nos. So early season, I still want to go hunting. And I still hunt early mornings, but I won't hunt uh, certain areas. Yeah, it's, you gotta, really got to pick your, pick your battles. Yeah, I'll leave. Like I'll go hunt, and I might go for a doe early morning. I'll go out there and I'll set up a spot where I just think there's deer cruising through. Yeah. But I probably won't risk going in there and trying to get on that buck that I've been scouting mm -hmm. or something. That's just my opinion. I mean, I'm not saying don't hunt early mornings in, in September, but it, you're definitely taking a risk. That's just my two cents. Yeah. Thank you. Play smart. Um, next one, Timmy Hammond. Okay, I got this one. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people that think you can shoot two does and a buck. But the way I've always understood it, that you can only take one buck and one doe or two does, and then you have to buy a bonus tech. So it kind of depends on your zone, and this also depends on the rigs. So right now, the way it's set on a statewide license, you get two deer. They can be one buck, one doe, or you can shoot both does on that and then buy a bonus tag. And it's not called a bonus antlerless tag anymore because you are allowed to take your buck on a bonus tag if you've already filled both your statewide tags. That's just a change they made last year. Yeah, and I think that varies based on your zone. zone yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, because like out in Eastern Kentucky, you're not allowed to get bonus tags. So but I, since he's talking about buying bonus tags, I'll assume he's zone one or two where you yeah. can buy bonus tags. But so, no, you can take two does and then buy bonus tags and take your buck on the bonus tag. Yeah, I'll, I'll, but look at the guide because you have to look at the guide. Absolutely. That's the very best thing is look at the guide and also with these possible changes that, that would be changing if, if everything goes through. So you really need to pay attention to see that close change if it does happen. Next one is from Garden Gym. I'm assuming those are hobbies. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on hunting WMAs in Kentucky. I'm new to Kentucky and don't have private property to hunt on. Thanks. Love the podcast. Thank you. The uh, We've already talked a lot about public land. Mm -hmm. Great opportunities. There's, there's opportunities all over the place. You two have both taken really good deer on public land. Gabe Jenkins up here has killed 170s on public land. I've personally seen deer over 170s booners come off public land. Mine was gross, 150 plus. Yeah, so I mean, there's there are good deer there, and there's a lot of them all over the state. Like we were just talking about with the kayaks a minute ago, there's a lot of good access. Yeah, Kentucky is a great state for public land. Um, Get so, out and scout. So take advantage of it. I mean, us we own it effectively, so take advantage of it. Uh, this guy, when will the new regs be official? I can't say that. I don't think any of us no, can say that. No, again, I would reference fw.ky.gov. Just yeah. pay attention to the website and, and, and see what happens. I will there. say that I would expect them to have something finalized and published before season starts. <laughs> okay? So I, I doubt we'll go into September without knowing the officials. So I would say sometime during the month of August, we can probably expect to see something finalized, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So, but that's as far as I know because I really have no idea. I hope I'm not getting myself in trouble. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott Croom. No. Yeah, we're reading this one. <laughs> okay. 
Are we expanding crossbow season because the Black Panthers aren't keeping the population <laughs> under control? Asking for a friend. Yes. That's a joke. There's no Black Panthers no. in the state. And honestly, we're not extending crossbow season just yet. Yeah, pro- probably next year. I don't, I don't think that. I don't even year. think that's on the on the list for this year. It won't happen until 2018. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. 2019. Yeah, that, that's really a, that's something that I've been told isn't on the list of possibilities for this year. So no, Scott. All right, La 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 Leia mm-hmm. wants to know this one. Um, what should a first-time deer hunter be doing right now to prepare if they want to hunt either with a bow or rifle this season? They think they have access to some farmland already. Practicing. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking scouting. They, yeah. Well, you definitely were practicing. I think that's absolutely yeah. um, the first thing. But, uh, locate deer. Locating deer, yeah. Locate deer. Figure out where there are deer at. I'm saying if you're a first-time hunter, you need to have reasonable expectations for the season. You don't need to go in there thinking 160 or bust. You know what I mean? Go out reasonable there. expectations for a new hunter is that you're not going to kill a deer. Oh, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, go for a doe. Yeah. I think I, I mean, was five years before oh, I shot a deer. Yeah. I, think I never killed one with a, I never killed a deer with a bow when I was. A deer. I don't. I, I don't. Kill one I don't think your expectation should be not to kill a deer, though. You should go in there with the. You should go in there with the mindset that you're going to kill a deer, and it if it's, if they have private land to hunt, they, there's a very. I mean, even on public, if they do their work, they can kill a deer. I think that for me personally, knowing your equipment and your capabilities as a hunter is more important than anything else well here's where i'm going to go with this yeah you need to do all that stuff very important but you need to know where the deer are and how to access them so if i was if i like say i'm talking to lalalalalea right now so so are we is this a brand new hunter who's never hunted before never deer hunter before leia i mean you know who leia is i know but i'm just talking in general still yeah okay so here's i'm just going to run through this real quick i would locate deer on the property you have permission to hunt get an idea where the deer are right and then think about how you're going to be able to get yourself a shot of those deer, whether it's with a bow or with a gun, whatever you're hunting with. Think about what your range is, so where you need to be, and then think about how you can access that spot or where you can access without bumping or spooking those deer and playing the most common wind, which is something out of the west, right? West, southwest, northwest, whatever. But just think about those things so you can get yourself a somewhat of a game plan for this is where I'm going to hunt, this is how I'm going to hunt, right? And then, like Rachel said, practice with your equipment, get comfortable with your equipment, get yourself ready to be able to go out there and take a shot without screwing anything up. I think those you are all. I, mean? I think those are all good points. But I'm also a reasonable expectation is you're going to screw up. Yeah, you're going to do it wrong. Yeah, and that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to this because I think with, with, if you're going out with a gun as a first time hunter, you, you have a good chance of killing a deer on private land if you're using the gun and you know deer are there. But if you're trying to bow hunt and you're a first-year bow hunter, your expectation should be that you're not going to kill a deer. Your expectation should be that you're going to go in there and you're going to screw up 500 times. Uh, you're, you're being a pessimist right now. No, it, <laughs> it's, being a realist. it's real. It's real because that, that's what I did. That's what Rachel did. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure that's what you did. No. I know you killed South on the ground and you talked about yeah, – uh, I, to, I, I told you my first deer hunting experience ever. But – but that is a That's realistic. That's very unusual. I know. Okay. I'm just good. I that, is a, that is a realistic expectation to go in there. Yeah, you can you can plan out how you're going to access it. You can plan yeah. out where these deer are now. New hunters not going to understand that they're going to move ranges as as time goes on throughout the fall, and then access might have to change. Where you set up might have to change. Where the wind is going is going to change. So those, I think, a realistic expectation. If I if I was a brand new hunter, if I was telling somebody right now. I'd say you first need to understand 
You're going to fail. You're going to fail a lot. <laughs> but it's going to be the be- most the best experience of your life no. trying to figure it out. I'd say yeah. go in there with the idea that you're going to win this one. Yeah, you want to be optimistic, but uh, but you got to be real too. Be real with yourself. What are your all's goals for deer? But, but saying this, this hunting is a blast, and deer hunting is is a, is a blast. So you learn those things, and you move on from it. Yeah, oh, I'm just saying. I think that if you you can get as comfortable as you want to with your equipment, be a pro with your climber, your stand, uh, get to be like a dead eye shot, like an Olympic archer. Yeah. You walk out in those woods without a game plan, I mean, you're not going to have any luck. But how do you know where to how to game plan if you've never done it before? Well, I mean, that's why you listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't explain anything like no, we, that. So here's we're, what trying, we're trying to give a good point. Here's what we're talking about. You can game plan. I absolutely agree with game plan because yeah, I, I, I do it all the time. That's what I do for two months leading to deer season and prior to that. But as a new hunter, you can game plan, but you still don't know until you get out there. Now, I recommend going out there and walking the woods, not too close to the season. You know, we get to the point where we're almost too close to the season to really go walk out too much. But if you've never been out there, you may as well go and go because you're going to bust them when you're there anyway. Here's something. That, here's something that somebody who has already who's listened to this podcast so far could could know, right? Early in September, early early season, deer have a pattern, right? They're pretty predictable. Probably going to be doing yep. the same things. Most predictable the, time of the year. Yeah. So if you're going out right now and you're seeing deer in fields, there's a good chance you're going to be able to go tomorrow and see deer in those fields. Yeah. They ought to, if after listening to this podcast, know that the wind is the most important thing. Deer are always using their nose, so you can't get upwind of the deer, right? You're also probably going to know that a reasonable shot with a bow is somewhere 30 yards or so. 20, 20 to 30 yards. 15 to 20 for a new hunter. Oh, yeah. For a new hunter, I would say set up, try to get yourself at 20. Yeah. So now you can develop somewhat of a game plan just with those ideas if you can locate a place to hunt. I would also say it's important, too, for a new hunter to get in a tree stand. So get up if at all possible. Yeah. Um, I personally, this is just me personally, am not a super big fan of blinds for deer hunting, like ground blinds. I'm not either. Unless you can set them out and brush them in and all that stuff. I just, I have a lot more success, or I have had a lot more success in a tree stand. So I think getting up is important. Practicing. I'm going to go back to practicing, Mm -hmm. knowing your equipment. Ground blinds are good in a way, though, because I know people like, okay, a good buddy of mine is, uh, he's in a, he's in a wheelchair sure. and he is an avid hunter. He kills good deer every year and he hunts out of a ground blind because mm-hmm. that's what, that's what his you know, limitations are. Sure. But and so, and also if you're, if you're taking somebody hunting for the first time who hasn't been hunting, a ground blind is a good option during gun season, not with a bow. Well, I just, I think you're, you're making your odds better if you're in a tree stand oh, i agree well you get you you get your scent up and early season especially it's so thick and so brushy low that you can't see very well out of a ground blind crops are on the ground so being up plus just experiencing the woods yeah. for me i'd much rather be in a tree stand experience how did we get on this topic oh yeah because of the okay now you were telling about being in a stand i was just oh, trying yeah. to figure out how do we get on i ground was trying blinds? to think of other like other things that i think would would have helped me yeah well you're i'm going to go ahead and go to another another it's okay to be hard-headed and just say i'm going to figure it out because that's, that's kind of how I was. Wrong, there's nothing wrong with go out there and, and mess up doing that and messing up. Yeah, you're, you're going to do it anyway. And I, don't, I, mean, I, I don't mean to be pessimist because anybody out there should, should go out there and try it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm just the only thing I disagree with you about Brooks is that I would not go out there with the mentality that this is all going to go wrong. <laughs> that's not my mentality. Never going to kill anything. That's not the mentality, but that's because that's something you one, know that's one, possible. One of the funnest parts about deer hunting is preparing for it. Yeah. And the best way to cut down on mistakes and increase your chances is preparation. That's on it. That's true for anything. Just jump into it and go. <laughs> no, just no. You don't know how to swim. Just jump on in. You'll figure it out. Uh, I mean, no, I think, I think plan and, and, and game plan that stuff. But then once you've done that, just jump in and 
because experiences will change how you game plan. Sure. I got two questions about the same thing. One of them's from Scott Krim. I don't know. Um, or <laughs> he knows this. Like, um, or, he, it's because he knew I was going to be on here today. Are climbing spurs legal on WMAs like an arborist or lineman would use? No. Both of you said no, so we're going with a solid no on that one. They are not. So you can't. Um, you also can't put like uh, anything that pierces does damage to a tree. Pretty so you, does, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what the other question was. Discussing. Yeah. No screen steps. So climbers, one stand. I got. I got a, a new stand last year. That's like. Uh, with the climbing sticks, mm -hmm. lone wolf with the climbing sticks. Uh, yeah, we'll see how I do with that one this year, but that's my goal for this year is to get that one done good. The related question was from Austin Bray. It was, one, why can't you bait on public land? And two, why can't you use anything that screws into the tree? And you just cover the tree. You don't want to damage a tree. Yeah, you don't damage, damage a tree on public land because it's, you know, everybody's as, as far as bait goes, I see a lot of issues with baiting on public land. Well, well yeah, go ahead. Um number one herd health i think because it's, it increases your chances of spreading disease right and uh come on a bunch of corn piles on public land we yeah. want everybody to have the same opportunity well it's public there. land so just remember yeah. if you put it if you say it was legal somebody wants to put a corn pile out on public land uh joe dirt down the road that's a random name why not pull joe <laughs> joe i was gonna say joe blow but then i decided that wasn't a good one to go with so yeah. right, joe, whatever we'll just say let's go back to joe dirt john, joe blow and captus <laughs> you gotta remove both of them we'll call him john doe john doe could come down there and he could hunt your corn pile and you probably get ticked off about it but you have no right to say anything so do you really right. want to put i mean it'd be a public corn pile if you put one out plus draws and raccoons one thing we don't want as an as a department, I feel fairly safe saying this because I've talked to Zach and I've talked to Laura. Is uh, we don't want raccoons, you know, swarming in an area. Raccoons are a fairly bad thing for the environment when they get in big numbers like that, eating turkey eggs and doing all this other stuff. More spread of disease. So there's a couple of issues with uh, corn piles and bait piles. Yeah, they they will affect the movement of the deer. Yeah. And so if if you, it's not fair to other bow hunters that are true and trying to do it the right way. Yeah. Um, get out and learn your trees. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very yeah. Brooks has been working on learning his trees here yeah, recently. Yeah, I think and um, like fig, figure out yeah figure out what the deer eat and what time of year that makes a big difference. Yeah, you know I, when I was scouting last week, I, I realized that the trees that in the past that I've been to where I've had success, where there was a big oak, it's not dropping like or it's not producing like it did that year. Mm -hmm. And the whole the whole property is pretty much like that. Yeah. Well, which can be good because deer have to move more to browse. Sure. So, but you can't just focus on one oak tree where acorns are dropping and expect deer to be there. Sure. Yeah. So when we, we like, we're talking about scouting, walking public ground and stuff, that's something to look at. Know your trees, look at nut producing trees and see what. Uh, oh yeah. Learning, uh, being a, yeah. Brooke says this all the time, becoming a woodsman is, is a great way to become a better deer hunter. Yeah. Yep. And uh, learning trees, learning plants, mm -hmm. learning all those things, just learn everything you can about the outdoors it will, will help you the more you're out there the better off you'll be yeah so earlier rachel you were asking what we were most looking for what would you say well if you had like if expectations you any goals for your deer season well brooks plans to fail <laughs> <laughs> brooks is gonna okay well do you all do like percentages every year what do you mean percentages like how successful you were in the woods like oh, how many arrows know. you shot oh. how many animals you harvested like for the year round or? yeah i don't oh. do any of that yeah. I probably kind of grade myself, but it don't actually give me a grade myself. Oh, okay. yeah. I will say, I give myself a grade every year, and I've never been. I've always been a fail. You've always been a fail. See, mm -hmm. see look at that. Well, I can already tell you. Last year, I was a fail. 
Yeah. I, I, I missed. And I'm talking about arrows leaving my bow. I'm not talking about all the times I've been busted and Brooks, everything else. Yeah. You said what as far as how was I feel last year? I missed five coyotes with my bow in two days. <laughs> okay. Coyotes and like turkeys. If but you, you want to talk about deer. failure, turkeys and me. God. I killed a good deer on my second try at him. You know what I mean? I did not have a very smooth season last year. So yeah. is your grading system based off of... Percentages, she said. Percentages. How many arrows how leave many? your bow versus how many animals are okay. in your refrigerator freezer when you get home? I did really good so with those. 66%. That's, that's two, pretty good. Two out of three? Yeah. I missed the doe from the ground in the snow on the last day. Yeah. And it made me so mad because I, <laughs> I would have knocked off two of my goes. Kill one from the ground and one in the snow. Yeah. Right, so are we talking only deer or to other species? Well, so... I was grading myself with turkeys too, but I've missed so many turkeys with my bow <laughs> that I just quit. So uh, turkeys don't count. I only count deer now. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I really the suck at shooting turkeys changes. from a tree stand. Well, most but, people do. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just I don't know. They I see so much better. Oh, they see so well. God, there's they suck. All I shot at last year was uh, squirrels, deer, and coyote. Yeah, I did pretty well with everything but the coyotes. And I mean I'm. I don't know. I didn't do too well last year at all. We'll just put it that way. But that, I never have even thought about grading myself. But I missed the buck. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think I was well, my, 66% last year, too. Good. Yeah, I not think really, I, though. We should be doing better than that. I want to well, end this season well, with 100%, man. Well, so yeah, that'd be goal. great. But, I mean, if you only have three chances, one well, miss lowers that, those, that percentage yeah, a bit. So. I, I think that's important for people to know, like, from, like, just strictly archery hunting, like how limited your chances are. I was as strictly archery hunting four deer last year, not including the coyotes, because that would really knock my first. <laughs> yeah. I was 50%. Yeah. I shot six arrows, got three deer with my bow last year. Six arrows is a lot of arrows, dude. Well, that's, I shot the buck twice that I, that I killed. Yeah, so, still. Yeah. Just likes to fling arrows. So, no, but if you think about it, <laughs> that's four. Oh, I know. I shot five arrows because I killed three deer and. Two other shows. Yeah, so I shot five arrows, so 60%. So, yeah, that's still not very good. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously you want to shoot for 100% in that regard, um, but it's tough. I mean, an animal, that they, they want to survive. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I shot my buck twice. So, And both of those I took with my bow were 30 yards and down. Those are both perfect boiler room shots, and there was that one other arrow in there. So I killed two does last year. Um, I missed one doe, like I said, last, last day of the season. Chase, you killed a, a buck and two does with my bow. With your bow, Rachel, what about you? A buck and a doe. Killed a buck and a doe. I took mm-hmm. a I took a doe with my rifle. Also, I might have taken two does. I can't remember. So I usually maybe, check I, it. maybe I missed a doe early season too. I don't think so. Oh yeah, yep, I sure did. No, I was less than sixty six percent. Yes, I missed, I missed yes, a deer the second to the last day of season. Okay. Remember how it was really cold? Yeah, it was cold. And I killed one the next day, but I missed one that night. It's probably so. when Brooks was out there missing the same weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was good. tough. It was cold that weekend. Well, just, I'm just trying to figure out. So we have three. Three of us are fairly experienced bow hunters, and between us, we killed um, seven deer, mm-hmm. which is still above the average. Most, I mean. The average deer killed per hunter in the state is what it like. It's less than two. It's always far less than two. It's less than one. I don't even know what it is. I'd have to ask Gabe. I, I think like less than half of hunt deer hunters. Uh, we could uh, we could we could call Gabe real quick and ask him. Tell him, mm-hmm. hey, we're back here talking about deer yeah. hunting. See how he liked that. But. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's it, it is it is an intrepid pursuit. It is something that just it has to drive you. You have to be motivated. You have to have a drive to to accomplish your goals. And and that's partly why 
public land can be successful because there are a lot of people that aren't driven like others. And if you have the drive, then you can you can be successful. And I will tell you that I killed two deer in one season on public land back in 2014, and both of them were a mile and a quarter back. Yeah. And those only deer I've killed on that piece of public land. Yeah, you got to be willing to work for it. That's part of what I mean. It's not it's not supposed to be easy. No, it's not. As far as my expectations for the season go, I will lay them out right now. I will go out there with high hopes, and then I will get crushed <laughs> during the during the month of September and early October. Now, I'll, t- I'll eventually I'll get a little bit low and I'll shoot a doe and I'll feel good again about just my chances. You know, it's like I just had success. I can do this. And then well, mid-October, I'll start really getting my hopes up because I'll start seeing a lot of buck activity. You know, things will pick up. They're going to start responding to my calls, but no big ones are going to come in. And I'm going to be stuck out there waiting for about two weeks. And then one day, weather's going to be perfect. All the conditions are going to be right. And I'm going to tell Brooks, hey, man, I'm leaving work early today. I got to go hunting. And I'll go out there feeling confident, and it'll happen, and hopefully I make a good shot. And then gun season will roll around, and I'll take another couple of does for management off some farms that are a little overpopulated. After gun season, I pretty much call it quits as long as I have a buck. I uh, switch over to coyote hunting. Oh, yeah, you don't hunt any late season. I mean, if I need a doe late season, but, I mean, if I've taken one, if I've taken three does and a buck, I should have enough meat to last me. So, uh, sometimes I go out there and try to take another one, and I'll give it to uh, the meat away to somebody. Yeah, Hunters for the Hungry is a good place. Hunters for the Hungry. Uh, the farmer that lets me hunt, uh, he has uh, some immigrant workers that work on his farm, and they love deer. So, I mean, you can honestly just take a doe out of the herd and take it over there to them, and they're ready to butcher it up and clean it as soon as you get it there. Like, they really appreciate it. So, I'll do that to make everybody happy sometimes, too. But that's my expectations. I expect to get my hopes up, try really hard, uh, go through some hard times, and eventually taste success and be super happy and excited. But I'm I'm behind right now. I don't even know what – like, typically I pick out a buck, right? And I'm like, that's the buck I'm hunting this year. I haven't pulled cards for my cameras yet, so I have no idea what I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm behind too. I'm not uh, very far along in where I need to be scouting or figuring out where I need to be yeah. and that kind of stuff. And I'm going out there and gl- practice too. I'm going out there and practice glassing a lot. Yeah. I haven't been shooting enough. Yeah, well, I'm. Well, uh, but my goal is like every day from here to start season every single day. Well, when do you get home today? I'm going to. I yeah. shot last night. Did you? Yeah, my work clothes. You say every day from yesterday to the start of season. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant yesterday. Yeah, spray some oh. bug spray on those legs tonight. 100% is my goal for this year. 100%. But I probably won't hit it. So, what's a pass-fail for you? What? It's like a C, so a 70 or above. 100% is, only, right? No, 100%, 100% dude. So, you fail every year because you miss one shot? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was thinking like 70 and up. <laughs> like, well, we should all aim for 100% for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's it's not an unrealistic goal either. It's something that can be accomplished and some people do. Um, so, But yeah. it's tough. It's not easy to do because you get in the heat of the moment and all right, let's wrap this up, guys. I was supposed to leave early today, but I might be leaving late. <laughs> it's already. You got, you got 14 minutes. No, remember I said I was leaving at 3.30. So. I thought you said 4. No, 4 is not early. good one. Do what we even that? talk much about deer hunting? Do we talk much about deer hunting? We've been talking for an hour and a half. That's how we talked about it. We haven't I talked really about it. I feel like we touched anything. No, it's a very comprehensive subject. It's, You're it's right. It's huge, yeah. It's so, yeah. It's Why so do you mean when you don't feel like we talked about anything? What no, are you talking don't. about? You just black out for the last hour and a half. No, or what? I just don't feel like you even we even touched crap about deer hunting. Um, if you haven't been hunting before, do the field fork classes. When is, when when are they coming out? Uh, I'm not yeah. Field to fork. Uh, you can get on the department's website and you can just type in in the search bar "field to fork," and those are like if you're a new hunter, you haven't been hunting before, you're interested in it. That'll take you through 
step-by-step of basically what you need to know from a beginner all the way to going in the field, harvesting game, cleaning it, cooking it. It'll field to fork is the name of it because it gets you all the way from the field to eating it off the dinner plate with a fork. It's a great resource if you've never been deer hunting and yeah. you want to learn how to do it. Um, I know. Also, you watch Kentucky Field videos. We got a lot of deer hunting on yeah. there. We're doing a we're working on a tree stand safety video. We shot it last week. It's coming out uh, here soon. We also will be airing some deer hunts here soon. I'm sure Chad talks a little bit about tactics. Probably not a ton. Yeah. Not a time to learn. Oh, yeah. If we do any of our urban spots, a lot of the most overlooked places to deer hunt, aside from WMAs, are uh, smaller parcels of land, like a five to 10 acre piece of property out in the country. Nobody's going to ask for permission to hunt there, or a lot of people don't ask for permission to hunt there, but you got a good opportunity to go out and take a doe or a really nice buck. Have you seen some of the big bucks lately? Um, we'll wrap it up after this, but have you seen. There's a buck I talked about on a previous podcast. It might have been one with you. What are you, you got like antsy to get out of here? You got no, a, I'm thinking about a deer I'm on camera. Oh, oh, oh. Sure all have this <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need to get that. I was wondering. I know you had Guadalajara for lunch, so I don't know if you need. No, that. <laughs> <laughs> although I can't hear y'all very good, but I will say that yeah, I ate too much. I have a chip baby in my belly right now. Oh gosh! No, the, this uh, Northern Kentucky buck. Did we talk about that when you were on the podcast the before? Fort Mitchell, the Fort Mitchell buck. Fort Mitchell or Fort Campbell? Fort Mitchell. Uh-uh. There's this, this, well, this buck is alive, Colonel. Yeah, this deer's oh, alive. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'm, like, cutting out. Uh, you're not cutting out for me. It must just be your headphones. I'm probably take, yeah, I'm not, you can just take your headphones off if you aren't, Rachel. I know. I'm it fine. was screwing you up. It's good. This deer, I've known of him for the last three years up there in Fort Mitchell. and uh, Fort Mitchell's, like, almost a Cincinnati, yeah. right? Yeah. 75 or 71? 75? It's, uh, they've, they merge before this year that's him this year that's crazy he's got like 12 inch g4s <laughs> no. is it a 10 he's a mainframe 10 with trash and that's gonna be a 12 isn't that a, that's gotta be a state record huh that's what i would think too but is he bigger than the robert smith book you think? i don't know I mean, that he's big goes 204 i think I mean, I don't know. If I saw that deer, I'd be like, oh, that's a 200-incher. I would, too. I mean, <laughs> that's what he, I would think. He's a B. I was calling him 180s, 190s last year. Yeah, I was being, I was trying to be conservative when I said earlier, like, he was 190. But that's a well-known, that's a well-known suburb buck that apparently there are Facebook groups of people up there local, like, warning people, like, you do not shoot this deer, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, if I had a piece oh, of land in that I, neighborhood, <laughs> if I had a piece of land in that neighborhood, I'd be sitting on the back porch. You could score him as a typical. He's got some trash, but you could score him as a typical. He would back. score as a typical. He, well, he could be not typical, too, but he no. wouldn't score as bad. That's good. I would score him as a typical and just hope he doesn't have that much trash. But, I mean, that's I don't know. It looked like he had like a bunch of junk around his yeah, if, he, if he didn't have to take the trash away, then he very well could be there. There's that deer. This one right here is actually somewhere close to you, Rachel. Actually, there's a couple of good deer in this photo, but the one on the far right. You you show me that one. That's another beast. This of going to go over well on podcasts where people can't see the can't deer. see the photos. Hey, I I put these on Instagram story. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I have to put these pictures up somewhere where people can actually see them. Yeah. Oh well. But uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. I need to get out of here, and I think we had a good podcast, even though you don't think we talked about anything, Rachel, <laughs> and even though. Brooks told everybody to expect failure this season. <laughs> oh well, expect failure, but work towards one hundred percent. No, I'm I'm saying go. expect failure, but expect to have a blast. No, it's and you're not gonna fail, man. It's just go out there and be prepared and practice and try to put a game plan together and make smart decisions when it comes to your wind and when you hunt and be comfortable with your equipment. You'll be just fine. 
All right. Thanks for coming on, Rachel. Thanks for Brooks. Having me. Yep. All right. Yeah. Glad to be here. See Call. you all.